Hi there, this is Ian Martin from the Ski Podcast and welcome to this Ski Podcast special interview with John Allen Butterworth. He's a four-time Paralympic medal winner in cycling, but we talked about his transition from cycling to snowboarding where he hopes to be able to uh, repeat that feat and pick up more medals for Team GB. Let's have a listen. Great, well I'm delighted to be joined today by John Allen Butterworth who has recently uh, joined the Team GB Paralympic team. Hi, uh, John Allen, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, just a reminder, whereabouts are you just now? Um, a small village, uh, Altrincham, Hale area, just south of Manchester. Okay, okay. And the reason um, you know I'm talking to you is you have just joined uh, uh, Team GB. You're going to be, hopefully, if all goes well, competing in snowboarding at the Paralympics coming up in uh, Beijing in February time. Uh, so getting quite close now. Um, have you been training today? Um, today I'll be going to the gym later, probably for like a body and kind of core session to kind of start the week before I kind of do some kind of uh, chill factors to snowboard training later on in the week. Okay, going up to Chill Factory. Okay, that's great. I've skied there as well. It's uh, it's brilliant there. And I guess that's your nearest snow slope, is it? Yeah, it's just around the corner. It's 15, 20 minutes away. So it's really convenient to have probably the best snow centre in the UK. It's on, right on my doorstep. Okay, John Allen, you, you're 35, uh, I think, which is relatively late to be joining a competitive team like this. But I think that maybe listeners who are not familiar uh, with you might not be aware that you're already, I think I'm right in saying, a quadruple Paralympic medal winner but in cycling is that right yeah that's right so i've been a cyclist for probably 12 years before i recently retired and and yes um one gold three silvers yeah quadruple medalist at the Paralympic games uh two summer games so yeah that's, that's yeah great. that was 2012 and 2016 wasn't it so you know yeah. it must have been amazing competing at london I, I was there as a games maker and went along to a few of the events such an incredible atmosphere yeah, I think you didn't really realise how big it was until you left the bubble and after the events. We, we was kind of protected in this, uh, you know, no social media generally in the athletic village. Um, and it's only when afterwards you kind of see the impact and the legacy it left. It was like, wow. It was, it, and you went to Rio and compared the games as well. You kind of realised how big London was. Yeah, it, well, it was just uh, such an exciting time uh, then. And, you know, congratulations, one gold medal, three silver medals is a very impressive achievement. And I think as well, we can add to that, I've got 10 world championship medals as well, four world titles. Is that right? Um, yeah, I, I know the, the four world titles is what I do know. The 10 medals from the world champs, I have no idea. I, I, that's, <laughs> I, 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 try, I trust whoever's kind of given those facts that they're correct. And when I, I, I don't even know where those other medals are. Um, it, it's quite funny because like anything apart from world title or gold, I kind of just say it's, it's like scrap metal. So it's kind of, uh, you know, uh, yeah, 10 world medals apparently. Um, I, I don't know how many nationals or the competition medals I've got they're kind of just yeah. in a box in the lot well, that, somewhere. I mean that that in itself tells us um, perhaps a little bit about your ambition and perhaps why um, maybe you know you obviously said just then that you retired from cycling um, but now you're coming into snowboarding so what what was it that kind of turned that switch to make you think well actually after all that really hard training you know I'm going to put my feet up and relax and now you're back in the zone again training for another uh, Paralympics yeah, so when when I did retire from cycling, I had the you know the thought of retiring from professional sport. I I kind of have, I did put my feet up six months or so. I've just kind of relaxed them. So I formally retired in December, um, 
but I think I kind of retired before that. Almost around the same time, Tokyo was announced as a delay for the next year. I kind of was thinking, you know, do I really want to continue another year and a half? I thought I was going to retire in, in October after the games anyway. So I kind of mentally kind of thought, you know, it's a, what's keeping me in the sport, what I've achieved, what I've got to achieve. By this point, I've already I won the Golden Rio, which is kind of the thing that keeps me in the sports. I, I already broke every world record in every event I rode in in, in in my time as a cyclist. So I kind of thought, would an extra gold make me more successful? You know, becoming the most successful Paralympian was probably out of reach by how many medal events that I was, you know, taking part in. It's, you know, you did a numbers game to kind of uh, be on the par with, uh, obviously now the the most recent uh, Tyson Holder of that accolade, you know, Sarah Story. It, it simply simply wouldn't be enough games. And, you know, I, I'd race one event. So, so it'd be take a, I, I, it physically would be, wouldn't be possible for me to reach that. So I kind of thought, you know, I think I proved myself in cycling and there's nothing left to prove. So I retired and I thought I'd be like everybody else, um, get a job and, and do and go down that route. And then <laughs> I kind of yeah, just had six months of, you know, kind of self-reflection and I kind of started missing sports and I started missing kind of the competition side of things, not just physically, but, you know, I really enjoyed the, the, the competition, the nerves, the, the prep, you know, I, I really liked the athlete lifestyle. So I kind of, um, you know, was, was thinking about what other sports, you know, could I do or would like to do? And snowboarding was one that was one of the main ones at the top of the list. And it's purely because I, I, that was my first rehab activity I did when I lost my arm. It was, it was snowboarding and it was kind of, I couldn't do snowboarding much because of cycling and the risk of injury. And it's kind of, yeah. it's almost like full circle back to my start of my rehab journey. And it's, it's something I really enjoy. And I kind of, on one hand, I didn't want to do it at first because I didn't want to, you know, almost like kind of fall in love with it again. And well, I, I didn't fall out of it, to be honest, but I couldn't do it. But get serious again and then kind of find it, it, it like a job. Um, cycling became a job at the end. Everyone that likes cycling was you know, a perfect job. You know, I'm jealous of you, but like anything in life, it becomes routine. And you have a lot of days where the spectators don't see the, the graph you put in. They only see the kind of the, the glory. And it's a lot of hard work to kind of get that moment on the top step. So I kind of wanted to protect snowboarding as for just enjoyment. But then I kind of, the, the program and the way when I spoke to kind of the coaches and kind of started to fit, put the feelers out, they kind of reassured me. It was a, quite a, what's it called, a relaxed program. Um, you know, the, the, the snow sport in itself, um, apart from alpine skiing, apparently, um, is more kind of laid back. You know, they have fun. The, the goal is to kind of get the athletes to have fun. And generally the performance comes from having fun. Jane Cavana, who she, she was the, um, the kind of power side of of the program, and I've known Jane quite well from the Health of Heroes days. She was involved in Health of Heroes. Pat Sharples, I know well, and we've interviewed him on the podcast uh, before. And you know, listener, you can track down the uh, the special we had with him. But it is very interesting. So, in terms of snowboarding, then you know, you did that as part of your rehab, um, and you know, I guess we should we should clarify. I mentioned at this point that you served, uh, you know, in Afghanistan and uh, Iraq, and. I think I'm right in saying that you lost your left arm um, in a rocket attack or left arm below the elbow in a rocket attack. Is that right? Yeah, so I lost my arm in Iraq. Um, it was, a, I think, originally below elbow amputation, but it's, it ended being the above elbow through infections, uh, complications. Right. And, and are you snowboarding as part of the, the rehab from that? But there's a surely a massive step up to end up, you know, competing at an international uh, level. Were you quite good at snowboarding? 
you know, how do you make that jump up? Or is it just that if you're such a good competitor, you can get medals at the uh, Paralympics in another sport, you have those base skills that you can then take forward into snowboarding? Uh, yes, yeah, so I kind of, I'm transferring, uh, starting my kind of GB snow sport journey and it's, and after snowboarding, it, it, I'm part of like a talent transfer program. And it's not kind of um, a Paralympic program. It's it's across Team GB and Paralympic GB. It's recognizes that elite athletes have certain skill sets. Um, you, know, you can break it down from you know sleep hygiene to nutrition, uh, SNC, you know, obviously in the gym, uh, the athlete mindset, knowing how hard it is to get to the top, um, the sacrifice involved. The amount of things you learn is in one sport, um, that's, that's one side of things. And then you've got similar muscle groups in cycling to snowboarding. A lot of this summer training is actually cycling and gym for snow sports. So yeah. there's a lot of cross kind of um, muscle memory involved. And in essence, the only thing I've got to learn, which I know is the main part of it, is the technique around snowboarding and the changing conditions, which is going to be a challenge compared to cycling, which is a very controlled environment. It, it, they basically say that kind of there's a you you, you fast track through the sports and it takes less time to kind of get to the top of which they reckon five years um for somebody to kind of be competitive um i'm hoping to do it in two or three you know I, I've, I've done i've put in my in my head two seasons and i'll be up there in in top tens uh, you know at the very least and i'll be challenging for the odd you know the odd medal performance i think in two seasons Great. Well, you know, that is, you're clearly very ambitious, what you're saying earlier about, you know, you're looking for a new challenge, etc. What discipline within snowboarding will you be taking part in then? Is it is it a, a slalom or is it freestyle? Uh, yeah, so initially it'd be uh, bank slalom and then it'd be board across. The, the two power events are those two and I think generally bank slalom is the first one you do because it's controlled. You're not racing against somebody else and you can choose your alliance uh, and then you go into board across. But you, you're competing both initially anyway. It just means this scene from um, historic kind of references that bank slalom is the first one you do well at. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. So that is, I, I must admit, I should have done my research better. I didn't realize they were the only two events and that's really interesting to hear. What I do know is it's only the second time that GB will have representation in snowboarding at the Paralympics. But I am also aware that you took part in the uh, jump a few years ago, which is a, <laughs> yeah. a TV program that I absolutely loved. And I went out to Kutai myself uh, at one point and um, had a look at the whole setup out there, which was amazing. And I'm now thinking, you know, was your experience at the jump where you got to do a bit of, I mean, you were on skis then, weren't you? Uh, with, with, with a, I guess there was no choice. You had to be on skis for that competition, right? Uh, obviously, the, the jump was kind of a mixture of everything. It was, yeah, a predominantly a, a ski kind of program. It, you had between three and four weeks of ski training, uh, but there was other disciplines. There was there's snow skates. There was obviously bobsleigh, skeleton. Uh, ski jumping and there was also snowboarding as well which was uh, I think a new one the year that I did I think I did a year two um, so, so yeah it, it was a bias towards skiing but we probably did about three to five days worth of snowboard training as part of that and did like a little mini race down the slopes um, which is yeah. quite funny I, I think they kind of it made sure we, we didn't get as much training as we should have got because they like seeing falls and snowboarding falls are quite spectacular and it hurts and stuff. I think they kind of didn't want anyone to get too good because it makes good TV to fall over. 
Well, that's exactly right. It did make good TV, but sadly, one of the reasons I think it's not on the screens anymore is too many people did fall over at different points and yeah. get too many injuries. Yeah, at the time, it was such an entertaining program. Did you enjoy being part of it? Yeah, it, I, I thought it was a great program. Um, it, it was like I said, it was. Uh, I kind of saw also sports as almost like a, you know, it's a, it's a holiday. It was it's a program itself, but it was just like I can't believe that they're inviting me onto the show pay me a, a a celebrity appearance fee to go on and just ski it's kind of a, it was it was just a big holiday it's great it was, it was so much fun and I learned so much and especially kind of the the sliding events i mean you, you can go on a ski holiday but can you go on a, a bobsleigh holiday it's, it's kind of those experiences that you generally <laughs> no, can't to be buy able to do those you know, things because yeah. actually earlier i watched a video of you doing the skeleton which to me mm. looks absolutely terrifying it, 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 it was originally because I don't think there's um, much information online, and I think we came to the conclusion that I might be the first above elbow amputee to go and do skeleton because I had to develop a prosthetic to go and do that. And, and yet, it was that uh, I didn't know how to hold on to the sled. There was the experts were well, you normally do this, but you can't hold on two hands, so you got to try and grip with your arms. But it was, we didn't know what was going to happen until run one, and it's it's like. Um, the sliding events and a bit like the ski jumping it's those are the sports where you commit to the top and you're in it for the ride down you can't you can't bail out halfway down the run you just have to go with it and just hope hope for the best <laughs> and it's the first the first few runs the first run was terrifying and we went from it's still quite um what do you call it archaic really sliding so you, you still call them um like kid starts or i think it's like kindergarten starts ladies starts <laughs> and men starts so it's still quite you know people obviously now are a bit like well you can't say that nowadays because it's because you know the kids <laughs> generally start lower than the females and the females start lower than the men's um so we start from the kids the kids section which is halfway down the run and even then it was yeah it, the first time was terrifying um and you yeah, get better at um, it and you learn to control it and, yeah some it, really it uh, fast speeds there you know and it just uh, i yeah. think I think it's the head forward thing. I mean, obviously, the way they had the cameras set up, so they had a camera like looking at you in the face, in in the eyes. There is uh, it really gets across the kind of challenge that's going on, physical uh, mm. as well as mental, when you're going down a slope like that. Yeah, it, it ended up being kind of the event that I probably enjoyed the most. It was quite rewarding from how far. I think a lot of there's other competitors found it as well that from where you started to where you ended up with a bit of training, it was amazing how how rewarding it was for you know being able to actually kind of have an impact in the sled and turn a little bit and make you run a bit smoother and hurt less and go faster and it was really re rewarding and, and like I said the speeds involved are that close to the ice chin first and you can hear and feel your chin hitting the ice with your helmet as you're going around to kind of the, the compression in the in, in the chrysal um you know the kind of big sweeping corner in, in, in Innsbruck yeah. and, 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 and it, it was incredible it was a great feeling um if you go right it felt amazing Really yeah, and how did you do overall then in the competition? I, I think I came six overall. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and who else was in your uh, year? Are you still in contact with any of them at all? Uh, occasionally, um, you know, but I think they're well. Everyone's busy, aren't they? And it's kind of <laughs> most people don't live close to each other. So on my show, there's uh, Joey Essex, um, uh, JB Gill, Ashley Roberts, you know, from Pussycat Dolls. Yeah, there's, there's Dom from Gogglebot. Yeah, it's, it's quite mixed to be honest. Right. Well, I mean, now you're yeah. now you're back in the ski industry. Uh, no doubt your paths will cross again with um, Graham Bell and Warren Smith, and uh, you know some of the other people who are involved in it on the mm. ski industry side of things. Will you will you be at the Birmingham ski show at all? Is that fit into your schedule? It's relatively near you. Um, I, I haven't even looked at 
I'm still, I still really dip my toe into the kind of the wind at sports kind of world and yeah. more lot more likely probably because uh, as part of um you know being a fun athlete we generally have to do appearances and you know so yeah. there'd be there'd be a request probably from somebody at some point to probably attend different ski shows but well maybe uh, maybe we'll <laughs> request you uh, uh john to come along because yeah. we're doing a ski podcast live there as well um so that i mean it is really interesting the snowboarding side of things i love the idea that possibly the jump could help you know, uh, uh, influence a, a medal for Team GB at the Paralympics might struggle to take a, a credit for that. But, you know, experience of, uh, of racing and, and in terms of you know, specifically, you know, racing, I'm guessing then at this stage, you haven't raced yet as a as a Paralympic snowboarder. Uh, no. So my first race is the end of November uh, over in Landgraf, uh, in Holland. Which I think it's the indoor snow dome. It's, it's, it's just going to be pretty big. Um, and I'll be doing, I believe, both events, uh, border cross and bank slalom, uh, and yep. doing a training camp on there. So I've actually got my first snow kind of cross course training this week at Chill Factor, the building of course, which would be right. interesting. And and yeah, it's, it's just basically me baptism as a fire. The first season is going to be experience as much uh, racing as I can, uh, and and then learn fast. But like I said, in terms of competition, you, you generally you might the following questions, you know, would you be nervous or how you deal with, the, with pressure? And as well, it, it, it's a race that's it would be no different to cycling. It's, you know, I love racing, the nerves, the, the build up, the sort of differences to maybe how you warm up or how things are placed, the logistics and where everything is in a snow dome or a, a ski course compared to a velodrome. But ultimately, it'd be something I've been used to for like 12 years. Um, and, and that's the thing, you know, what I enjoy. I enjoy training, but racing, there's nothing like it. I just love racing. For sure. Well, I mean, all of those skills that you'll be able to carry over from your cycling experience, as you say, yeah, okay, you need to, uh, you know, work on developing the technical skills as a snowboarder. And I think, you know, from people I've interviewed before who've done ski across and border cross, there's obviously a lot of tactics involved uh, in that as well. And the start is is extremely important. I don't know how how that will work if, if you were starting without a prosthetic arm, because a lot of it is a momentum that you generate when you go through the gate at the top. But I guess you you compete in categories, don't you? So maybe mm. that won't be a factor. I don't know. These are all things yeah. you've got to look yeah. forward to, right? <laughs> well, that's it. So already kind of, um, like I said, the difference between somebody kind of getting into it, the first sports and being someone transferring. I've already done a lot of research myself from trying to find much on YouTube to different categories competitors. So in parasport, you've got uh, two lower leg categories and one upper limb category at the moment. So you kind of you grouped into um, the same upper limb. Uh, there's not enough, I don't think, athletes. And I think it was the first games in 2014 that had just one leg category. And then yeah. it was Peyong Chang, which is yeah, the last one. I think they uh, introduced upper limb as the first time with two low leg categories. And yeah. then obviously in Beijing, I think it's still one upper limb, two lower, I think at the moment. And it's just, as sport develops, you might find more categories. But yeah, to start games, you look and see how people with one arm starts. Some people wear prosthetics, some people don't. Um, already asking the questions, you know, what can be done? What's the rules? Can start gate be modified? Um, can you make something that can attach to the start gates? You know, different yep. different things basically to see what is allowed and what can be done and exploring it now. So then it, when we kind of get to the stage where the site is important and but you know, yeah, at the moment the majority of the my developments would be the rest of the race. Um and then once that's kind of squared away, then the start would be important as well. But it's starting to ask questions now just so we can kind of save time in the long run. 
Yeah, of course. Well, we all know planning and preparation prevents poor performance, right? <laughs> I keep reading yeah, that. That's, 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 that's definitely. Well, I, I think that's military. The first time I saw that, and you get um, almost kind of conditioned into thing into that. And I'm pretty sure it was written in one of our blocks. There was a, a Latin kind of phrase, and it was pretty much the same as that. You know, kind of uh, prior planning, yeah, prevents poor performance. And it's, it's it, I learned that in military, and it goes on to. I think it helped me in sport as well. The you know, never being late, always having your kit prepared, never forgetting things, you know, and it's just, you know, it's like anything, you, you plan properly and you plan for a lot of different scenarios, you're generally going to have a better outcome. Yeah, well, it's been brilliant talking to you, uh, John Allen, and I I am um, right behind you and wish you all the best for your uh, conversion to snowboarding and we'll be following your career closely, hopefully all the way to Beijing. And maybe we'll see each other at the uh, at the Birmingham Ski Show uh, next month. Otherwise, uh, thanks for joining us and best of luck. Yeah, cheers. Thanks a lot. Hi there, this is Ian. I hope you enjoyed that special ski podcast. Don't forget we have regular episodes coming out around twice per month and there's over 100 episodes to catch up on whenever you want to on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcasts.